Welcome to another episode of the AlbumReview.net podcast. I'm Greg Potters. Today, I am welcoming back a very special guest. He was originally on episode number 49 of the podcast. He's a very talented musician currently living in Stockholm, Sweden, Jack Adamant. On episode 49, I interviewed Jack and we discussed his life on the road as a musician and we dug deep into his recent album, Obscure Places and Cupboards. Jack's music is heavily influenced by artists who cut their teeth in the music scene in the 1990s and were predominantly a part of that music genre once considered alternative or grunge. So I felt as though today's album review needed to have Jack as a guest, for he not only recommended this album, but he rated it one of his favorite. Uh, I first heard this band and this album back in 1993 and was hooked ever since. Today, we're going to review Dinosaur Jr.'s fifth album, 1993's Where You Been. told you my name is Matt Foley and I am a motivational speaker. Now let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old. I am divorced and I live in a van down by the river. So Before Matt Foley gets out of his van down by the river and tries to give us a motivational speech, let's get to it. Once again, Jack Adamant joins me from Stockholm to review Dinosaur Jr.'s fifth studio album, Where You Been? buddy i'm really good good How are you i'm great i'm, just... I'm great here you are here we go oh look at that yeah that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i got it here too i got it right here wow. i was just i was just really? listening to it uh yeah, I mean, i've been here, listening to here. it and i found wow. i found their most recent album which is not that recent but came out two years ago two years ago yeah 2021 all and, right and i really like it i didn't even know that it came out i guess i hadn't been really following them and uh, sweep it into space yes sweep it into space yeah exactly yeah, so i like that album a lot anyway 
So how you doing, man? Yeah. It's been a while. I've obviously been looking at watching all your posts and looking at all your posts and still listening to your music. I was working out earlier today and I was just going back and listening to your album again. But how are things going? Oh, recording, man. It's mainly like writing new songs and be ready to release something maybe next year. Okay. All Let's right. see. We... Have you released any songs post um, obscure, the record. obscure Places and Cupboards? Oh, no, yet. Okay. No, yet. Okay. But we we had a few demos right after the release. No, yeah, the date we released the record. And then we have been mainly writing and recording. And uh, so it feels like probably it's time to, to have a new single. Yeah. Please let me know, obviously, when you do or when you get close yeah, to yeah, yeah. releasing. I think on Sunday, we're going to have a chat with, with the drummer and we will discuss a little bit. Because we also made like, uh, we did a cover of Friday I'm in Love by The Cure. Oh yeah, I love that song. Yeah. Yeah, in our style. So probably we are planning to release like a sort of an EP, maybe that one uh, with with a new song, actually. I love it. Yeah, with let a new me single. know. Yeah. Uh, how, are we'll things in, how are things in Stockholm? Ice chilled. It's getting cold though. Uh, yeah. The temperature is dropping a lot, I yeah. should say. Same here. But yeah, but there are a lot of other things happening. Still a big city and the music. I've been connecting with a lot of bands. So recently I've been invited to gigs, always on the guest list. So I don't have to pay the entrance. And I get also <laughs> drinks and t-shirts. Nice. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's good to, to have a connection with, uh, with other musicians. What about you, man? How are things going there? Working. Just it's been since I think the last time I we communicated... Mm -hmm. A lot's a lot's been growing, but it's been really busy. But it's good, right? Busy is always good. But I am looking for a little bit of a some quiet time. It's been very busy, which I can't complain. But so, I'm listening to your podcast a lot. I think oh, the, thanks, man. The, yeah. the reviews are excellent, really high quality. Thank you. And recently, I was listening to Soundgarden. I think you you did yeah. a review about Soundgarden yeah. and uh, Motorfinger. Yeah, that one. I'm glad you're joining me today. It's really good to have you on the podcast again. So we're going to do, and this was Jack's recommendation the last time we talked. We're going to do yeah, Dinosaur right. Jr.'s fifth studio album, one of my favorites, Where You Been? And Jack's got his background right now, the album cover. Before we get into it, I wanted to remind everybody that's listening, Jack was a guest on episode 49 of the podcast, which was back in like January. So it's been a while. Even yeah, though right. I feel like we talk all the time, we communicate over social media, but yeah, we recorded that back in January. During that episode, we dove deep into your album, Obscure Places and Cupboards. So for everybody listening, after hearing this episode, you should go check out episode number 49 and listen to Jack's music again. But yeah, again, Jack, thanks so much for joining me, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really- Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah um, really nice to be here. All right. So let me get this going. So- <laughs> simple but melodic with sharp edges this is my description of a lot of 90s music i'm not looking to insult any musicians from this era by calling it simple but the style of music that we were hearing in the 90s i think was different and so i was thinking about this the other day i was thinking about fashion and i always wondered what's what makes something stylish a lot of fashion designers might strike me down here, but I think 
fashion trends many times are started by someone, yeah, just one person that says, screw it. Like I'm going to wear these shoes and I'm going to present myself as if I don't care what you think. And while in public, they're going to present themselves as sorry for you that you don't have these shoes. <laughs> and what usually happens is people laugh at this person for a time, but then eventually they notice their confidence and then become drawn to the shoes. So the next thing everyone on the planet is wearing them. And I think, I think that the same can be said for music trends and genres. I think that there's always one or two bands or one or two musicians or artists who say the same thing. The fashion trender, if that's even a word, says, screw it, I'm going to play this music and I'm going to present myself as if I don't care what you think. And so for popular music, especially like rock and roll, pop rock, the dominant genre in 89 and 90, I think was a lot of hard rock and, and hair metal. There were other popular genres outside of what we call rock music, but the Poisons and the Motley Crues of the world um, for a long time in the 80s were a dominant force. But then in 1990 and even in 91, you start to see this shift, Jack, right? The, the radio was playing music with more of an edge and the artists were not as concerned about their physical image. Many times sure. they just wore dark jeans and a dark yeah, colored t-shirts, right? Yeah. And their music Cardigans. was Cardigan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and their music exemplified this trend. And um, by, say, 1992, hard rock bands were highlighted less and, and bands that would eventually be dubbed that dreaded word grunge were starting to rule the popular music scene. So bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden, all from Seattle, by the way, were leading this charge. And virtually every grunge band from Seattle were being offered record deals. But what brings us here today is within the forest of grunge, an edgy, gritty band from Amherst, Massachusetts called Dinosaur Jr., were plotting their eventual takeover of the alternative music scene and formed way back in 1984. The band's original name was Dinosaur. Yeah. Now, I didn't know this. Band leader, lead singer, and guitarist Jay Maskus, who I think, Jack, you told me at one point was one of your, your biggest influences. Right, definitely. Always been. <laughs> <laughs> Jay later changed the name of the band, adding the junior to the end of Dinosaur. And I found out the the problem was, did you watch that documentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how great. It's beautiful. That? Yeah, so cool. There was a, already a band called Dinosaurs, and they approached Jay and his band presenting a, a lawsuit, a cease and desist. Um, Dinosaurs was a, a super group made up by members of the Grateful Dead. Jefferson Airplane, Hot Tuna, and Country Joe and the Fish, uh, all great bands from the 60s and, and 70s, of course. And the band's management sent a lawsuit to Mascus saying that they were in trademark violation. So rather than fight the suit, Mascus just did something cool and he just goes, eh, what the hell? Let's just add a junior to the end of it and call it a day. <laughs> so I just 
I thought that was really cool that they just were like, all right, fine, we'll just put a junior here and shut up. No time to waste. <laughs> no time to waste. But before the name changed, the band would release their self-titled debut, Dinosaur, in 1985 before the, the name trouble popped up on the radar. Now, Jack, do, do you remember the first time you ever heard Dinosaur Jr.? Like, when was it? I think I heard Dinosaur Jr. through this state. It was circulating at school. And yeah, probably 20 years ago. And it was a VHS. And it was 1991, the year punk broke. Yeah. That one with the Mud Honey, Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., Nirvana, and Ramones were the main bands on this cassette, on this tape. Wow. And particularly, I remember that there was this performance of Dinosaur Jr. on stage playing Freak Scene. So that was the first time ever that I heard the name Dinosaur Jr. together with uh, Madonna and Sonic Youth. Of course, I I have I had heard Ramones before, right? And Nirvana, but never Dinosaur Jr. And that was astonishing. And what drew you to the music? Do you remember? Was it just sometimes we can't explain it, right? But sometimes I want your opinion on this. Like sometimes I have to hear some music over and over again. Like I, I wasn't a fan of, I'm just making, I'm just thinking of one that comes to the top of my head. Like I wasn't mm. a fan of Alanis Morissette when I first heard her in the nineties, but mm. as the years progressed, I, I became more interested. Something hooked me with Dinosaur Jr. Was it right away or did it take some time? What do you remember? What kind of hooked you? The guitar, they were pretty loud. I remember they were not really taking paying attention to the singing in tune or right. playing the right way according right. to standards. Right. And of course I compare them straight away to Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and I think, oh, this sounds a little bit more dirty. <laughs> dirty. It's a great word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And but it was attractive and it was peculiar, the sound and everything that he was doing on the guitar and the singing caught my attention straight away. And I felt I want to listen to this more because it stands out to something different than what I heard before or whatever is circulating here at school, all those bands. This one is different and it's mine. Did you get excited? I was just going to say that it's mine, yeah. right? So maybe for you, there wasn't, because I know for me, and I'm talking about this more and I'm going to be talking about this more in the review here, but for a while rolling around, like I, I was the only dinosaur junior fan that I knew. And so that was something that was special. And as much as I was trying to get my friends and some family members into it, no one really was. And I thought, this is okay. Then they're, they're my band. So I like that you my mentioned wife. that. Yeah. It was the same for me. No friends wanted to listen to one. They just got stuck with Nirvana. Yeah. Then right, right, right. Offspring, I think, was the other main one. Oh, uh, um, but they didn't like Sonic Youth or Dinosaur Jr., let alone My Bloody Valentine, for example. Another good one. Yeah. I was thinking about this during the view, and the two bands that come up to me that are the, and I hate to use the term again, if you have a better one, but like alternative that they kept using in the 90s. But I feel like on the radar, Jane's Addiction... The two bands that come to me, Jane's Addiction and Sonic Youth, were like the start. When I got into Nirvana, when I got into Pearl Jam, and then I started going backwards. Because in the time, in 91, I thought, 
this music is brand new, but it had actually been going on for a while. And like we were talking about, like we mentioned, Dinosaur Jr. started in 84. But I feel like Sonic Youth was really one of the, the first bands that kind of yeah. took that punk and mixed it a little bit with, with classic rock, the Pioneers. Yeah, exactly. Originally called Deep Wound, the band right. formed in Amherst, Massachusetts in 84, and they later, of course, changed their name to Dinosaur, I believe, while they were attending the University of Massachusetts um, campus in, in Amherst. Um still Lou Barlow and Jay Muskus. Yep. And UMass Amherst is a place that I frequented in the mid to late 1990s. I, I grew up about an hour and a half east of there. And I would go there a lot visiting some of my friends that were going to college. And to me at the time, compared to where I went to school, UMass or what it was called at the time, I don't know if it is anymore, but it was called ZooMass. Mm -hmm. It was a completely different world. There was a vast, wide campus, so spread out that they had buses from one end of campus to the other. Wow. And the dorms, the dormitories were co-ed, which usually meant parties were frequent and parties were large. And it just seemed, <laughs> and wild. And it just seemed like there were no rules. And I think this is also representative of the time but it always seemed like the the dorm proctors, as they call them, or the resident advisors, the mm -hmm. people who would get this, the older students who lived in the dorms that would act as the police, it seemed like they were never around. And so UMass, I think, was just the perfect backdrop for a band like Dinosaur or Deep Wound. And as their music fit the profile of what I envisioned a student from UMass liking, this made more sense to me. So from... Right. 85 to 91, Jack, they would release four albums. Did you ever get into any of those? No, only later, because first I heard like, where you been? Right. I remember. After hearing that, that tape that was talking about where there was like freak scene. Uh, I remember that then it's like, I was very into Smashing Pumpkins mainly and Nirvana, of course. And uh, so there was like only a few years later that another guy that I met in a party, he introduced me to Dinosaur Jr. again. And uh, I, I remember that he offered me to, to drive me home. And on the way home, he played this tape and it was where you've been. And probably the first one was start chopping and then get me. So I think I was so into this kind of music that I decided the day after to find this record and to listen front to back and go deep into the catalog of Dinosaur Jr. Starting from the first one to the last one. Yeah, I think their album before Where You Been was called Green Mind, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, Whatever School With Me, maybe. It was the same year, Whatever School With Me. Whatever. Okay. And Green Mind. Okay, you're right. But yeah, like you, it wasn't until their fifth album, Where You Been, where they really caught my attention. In a lot of my previous reviews, I describe where I was or what I was thinking at the very first moment that I heard each album. But in the case of Where You Been, I honestly can't remember where I was when I first heard it. But like I said, Jack, I can remember being like the only fan among my friends as a teenager. And because of this, it made me like the band even more. Yeah, you're right. There was Whatever's Cool With Me. Was that an EP or was that an album? 
I think it was an album. It was 91. Yeah. 91. Okay. Yeah. There was dinosaur. In addition to that, there was dinosaur. You're living all over me. Bug. And, Bug, and which Green is my Mind. favorite. Bug is okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one is my favorite ever. Getting also back to farm. The... Yeah. But that was... What was that? Say that again. Farm as well. But that, uh, that, that, that this is more recent farm compared to the others getting back to the fashion trend topic, like those kind of off-center shoes yeah. I was referring to earlier, the band leader, Jay Maskus, brings a really unique sound to the band. And Jack mentioned it. His voice can be considered to contain what I would call vocal fry. If you Sounds don't know good. what I mean, yeah. it sounds like, uh... Broken or... <laughs> <laughs> And by 93, I was in, I was really deep in my investigation phase of music. So bands like Anthrax, White Lion, Warrant, bands that I had been into previously, weren't as interesting to me anymore at the time. I, I still listen to them, but after being knocked over the head the first time I heard Pink Floyd, I wanted to explore the dark side and go deeper into music and... I wanted to check out what this alternative music thing that everyone was talking about was really about. I wanted to sit in a room and ask everyone what they were listening to and what they liked and then go in the opposite direction. <laughs> and of course, yeah, I, soon yeah. real, I soon realized that I yearned for more like-minded fans of these groups that I discovered late afternoons uh, or late, late at night after a few drinks. So, but... I don't know about you, Jack. I, I think this was a, a growth phase. We were maturing. For you, this might have been the first music you were into, but I think as kids, we gradually mature with our tastes. Yeah, I, I had heard about Pearl Jam, for sure. Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, and, and Nirvana as well. So comparing those vocalists to Jay Maskus was a massive difference. Right. Yeah, for sure. But it was so special for me, the way he was singing, very different than the others, that was attractive. And that's why I kept listening. That's a good point. I, I'm the same. By then, the, the kind of teased up hair and the, the leather pants didn't impress me like they did when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. They hooked me, that, that bad boy look. And this music had one thing in common, and it was obvious when, when you listened or when you watched on MTV, it was all about the music, right? It, not about the show. They weren't dancing around and having fireworks and explosions on stage. It yeah, was, yeah. It was simple. Just, it was simple. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I meant earlier. It was about the music and only the music. And that's what really turned me on and inspired me to to, to tune in and drop out. Not literally, mm -hmm. I didn't drop out of school, but I just explored music more. So yeah, Jack, you touched upon why we gravitated to music like Dinosaur Jr. And that's, I think, why you and I connected so long ago that we have a mutual respect for music where it's just really all about the music. Um, part of the beauty of that MTV Unplugged show that used to air was you take a band that was a lot of times heavy and electric and they'd strip down. And it was like, okay, to me, that was the mm -hmm. test. Can you strip down? Can you get just with a bunch of acoustic guitars and acoustic bass, no effects, and how well does your, how good does your music sound with, without all that, without all that technology and, and distortion yeah. production? 
getting back to the album, it was released on February 9th, 1993. Listening to this record, Jack, I think you can really feel the classic rock influence mixed with Jay Maskus's use of amplifier feedback. And we talked about his vocals as well, which were sometimes mumbling. I know yeah. vocal fry <laughs> and mumbling doesn't necessarily sound appetizing, but just wait, listen to this reveal. You'll see what we mean. The, yeah, sorry, Jay, nothing against your voice. Yeah, Bam. we're getting to so. it. We're, we're getting to it. The band would admit early influences would include punk bands like Black Flag and Minor Threat, which is cool. And to best describe Dinosaur Jr.'s music, I think the owner of their first record company, a guy named Gerald Cosloy, said it best. He said, quote, it was its own bizarre hybrid. It wasn't exactly pop. It wasn't exactly punk rock was completely its own thing, end quote. The uh, The album cover, which Jack has as his background, depicts a, what is it, like a space alien, a hitchhiker in jeans, uh, thumbing his request for a ride by the highway. Yeah, right there. The, the hitchhiking alien, he's painted with a revolver in his belt, and he's standing next to a, a flattened dog who looks like he's recently become a victim of roadkill. I still can't think it's a dog or a cat. I couldn't tell. And I've got yeah. the cover here right in front of me. I thought I saw Dude. dog ears. I thought I saw long dog ears, but it's hard to tell. It could be a dog or a cat. Maybe we should ask Angry Johnny, who is the credited painter. I did a little internet search on Angry Johnny and dove deep into his stuff. And it seems like he was an interesting guy who's quiet and never really mm. hit it big, but he had some art that, that the band, I guess the, the band were friends with him and they asked him to, to do the cover. So this was a painting. Yeah. This is a handmade for sure. So the album kicks off with the song out there. Out of all the songs, I wouldn't put this at the very top, Jack. I don't know about you, but the chorus gives you a bit of a kick. Mm. I don't know, what, what do you think? Uh, I, I understand why the point of putting out there as the first one. They want to give you the, the idea of what the listener would find in the record, maybe. It's like, there's a little bit of everything. Uh, heavy guitars, 
right. J be using the the Womi bar solo parts or yeah and I think the vocals they to have that kind of so, sort of chorus effect they've been doubled for sure yeah I was just gonna say the same thing yeah it was an example of what was to come right yeah that, that's the impression that I got when when I listen first time out there and uh, at the very end you, you have those orchestral elements like piano and uh, church bells right yeah there so, are a lot of other oh sorry go yeah. ahead no I think it feels like he includes all those elements that will be spread out in the in the entire record later on bit yeah, by bit oh, they have um, in addition to you know Jay uh, for this album it was Jay Mike Johnson because Lou Barlow had left the band yeah. Murph had um, was still with the band but in addition to that they had a backing vocal a woman named Tiffany Anders. They had a tambourine. Oh, get me. Yeah. They had they had a violin and a cello. So that provided a lot of that like orchestral pieces that you were yeah that you were mm -hmm. definitely talking about. Which um, truly reminds me of. Mm, I know if it was the same for you. First time that I was hearing with all those orchestral elements, especially church bells or low key percussions. I was thinking about Siamese Dreams when yeah. I was mentioning pumpkins. Yeah. It was also there. There are the same kind of elements. It was. We could even go into after Gish. Yeah. They really took that next step, Smashing Pumpkins, and added a lot of that, that sound into it without making it sound too much like a symphony. Yeah. They still had that edge to them. You mentioned that. We should talk about that in further length sometime. But I really feel like after Siamese Dream, that was when they really started to get orchestral, and I'm sad to say that I wasn't as into the albums after that, whereas Gish and Simon's Same Dream. Here. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we sh yeah. we have a lot in common in terms of that. It's just, yeah, I saw them in concert last year, Smashing Pumpkins, and just the direction that they've gone. I just, I wish they had played a little bit more off those first two albums. And mm -hmm. what I liked about Dinosaur Jr. is they broke up for a little while, and they're back. They're actually on a world tour right now. But their more recent album, it's still the roots of the same music. Yeah. Which I love. Um, uh, sweeping the space. So. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'm gonna keep forgetting that. But yeah, I've had that I've had that on my Spotify feed for the last week. And just listening to it in the car. And so after listening to Where You Been, I certainly recommend people out there listen to this. Now, if you've never heard Dinosaur Jr. before and you're planning to convince your friends to get into them. Jack, I don't know about you, but the first one I would go to out of all their songs off of mm. every one of their albums is Start Chopping. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Yeah. It's definitely I see your point. one of their more radio-friendly songs. Yeah. But it's very riff happy. I know that the melody hooked me um, when I first heard it in 1993. It was somewhat of a radio hit. And although it includes Jay's screech and howl the goodbye yeah very peachy that one but i thought start chopping was just really solid it's a grunge rock and roll song <laughs> There's no going back to the 
has a lot of happy vibes all the way from its roots to its core. And Jay named the song I read after a comment he had made to the producer during the recording session. They were putting together a bunch of different takes. And of course, as in the 90s, bands that recorded, they were actually recording on actual tape. Yeah. And cutting the tape, exactly. Cutting yeah. it or, or chopping it up to piece together the best parts. That's how they mixed it and mastered it. And so at one point in the studio, Jay told the guys to start chopping, which eventually gave birth to the title, <laughs> which I thought was cool. Jack, start chopping, was that, when you heard that, were you, eh, this song is gonna bring in too many popular fans. I, I really prefer more of the B-side tracks. What are your thoughts about the song, Start Chopping? For me, I was happy to finally they had like a song that could attract more people to their music. And so from my perspective, it was like, point of view I could have like more friends to talk about Dinosaur Jr. instead of having go every time like trying to pitch someone about music and about Dinosaur Jr. they had no clue about this band and then you right. have to explain but apart from start chopping I will definitely play get me to first fresh listener yeah that never heard about Dinosaur Jr. because it's very melodic as well but it's right, Star Chopping really represents the... It's very melodic as well, there are clean guitar riff in the beginning. It's, very, it's not very heavy metal with a heavy distortion that like uh, will scare you off. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting because it's, it's got such a catchy riff. Mm -hmm. and And so I can see it drawing in popular fans but then when they hear jay's voice maybe there's a lot of people that thought oh i don't know if i like that yeah, whereas right. that drew me closer to it mm -hmm. but there is a massive soul at the very end that one is beautiful it is it the song takes a complete turn jack i'm so glad you mentioned that the song takes a complete turn and i think pulls you in even more i'm already tapping 
and bobbing my head, moving my head around. And then the guitar solo comes up and I'm even more invested. So as the song comes to an end, what else is new is another strong track, I think. I think it's a very honest song containing Jay's lyrics about whether it's him or someone he knows, their last-ditch effort to save a broken relationship that's on the verge of collapse. And just when you think it can't get any better, similar to Start Chopping, um, it ends with not necessarily a solo, but what else is new ends with this beautiful melodic yeah. acoustic guitar that just whisks you off into the clouds. So what else is new? Won't you give me some? Bring it back for me. Won't you come and sleep? You're the only one. You're the only one. You're the only. I like how the drums drop. Just drop and, right off. And give space to the acoustic guitar and bass as well. Yeah. And then they have the, what's the drum that comes in towards the end? It's like a, like not a bongo, but it's almost no, like it's, a, I think it's called low-key percussions or okay. low-key something. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. Yeah. And it's actually Jay, I was reading, playing drums on this one. Jay was the original drummer for the band. And then way back in the early, early to mid eighties. And then he made the change a few years later and took up the guitar and became the lead singer. So I thought that was really cool. So yeah, you're right. He's got the, mm. the drumming background on the way. That's another song I think picks you back up. Once the acoustic guitar of what else right. is new ends. It's very um, punkish. Very punkish, yeah. right in your face. You notice Jay recorded his voice on two tracks, one low and then one high in his his screech that, that we were Enough talking about. Up, maybe, yeah. Exactly. I'd like to come and see
really seems to be a theme on this record, Jack. This was also the first time bassist Mike Johnson uh, joined the band and recorded an album because Lou Barlow had left prior to this. And I think he was kicked out of the band, Lou Barlow. He was kicked out, that's right, yeah. Also in the documentary, he says it. In the documentary, they showed several, one particular... There's footage of one particular gig where they were literally fighting. They were fist fighting on stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't understand if they were joking or they were actually serious about it. I feel like when I saw it last week and I feel like they, they said I was real. Like they were Jesus. really at each other's throats. So there's another famous documentary. I mentioned it in so many episodes, the Eagles documentary. And there's, I don't know so much video, but there's audio recording of Don Felder and Glenn Fry just outright cursing each other out on stage in the middle of a concert yeah. and uh, straight up yeah yeah but at this point in this situation jay and lou just had it out so yeah there was a lot of issues and it's cool to know that lou is back for the yeah, current world tour that they're on but i really liked on the way and i really liked despite missing lou i liked mike johnson i thought he was a good fill-in, not only with his bass, but just with his backing vocals, and he also contributed some guitar and piano to the album, so... It's very clever the way he plays the instruments, because as you said, he plays piano and guitar as well in this record, but with the bass, mainly, he's serving the song. It's a, it's a different way of playing bass compared to Lou. They have totally two different styles. The, the style that Lou has in, in, uh, in playing bass is very unique, something that always inspired me, and... Uh, I love the way Lou, Lou sings as well, his vocals, yeah. they're magical. But in this record, Mike Johnson plays bass really well, I really like it. Do you remember, I, I can't recall who Mike played for before Dinosaur Jr. What, what band did they find him from? I don't know either, but I know that he was a songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> he, yeah, he looked like he had a punk background and... I saw him in concert at Lollapalooza in, in back in 93. And I just remember finally getting to the spot where I was standing and the band kicked out with start chopping. And I just went crazy. And I remember I was standing right in front of Mike and just enjoying, enjoying the show and enjoying his bass playing. Does it say, can you find it? I'm reading that actually he was involved in uh, bands like Queens of the Stone Age. That's and, uh, right. That's what it was. That's right. That's right. Yep. Okay. I. You know what? I knew that. I. I. I remember writing that yeah. down. So I didn't know this. So now, before Mike, listening to early Dinosaur before they changed their name, mm -hmm. I got to. I got to admit, I the music didn't really grab me, Jack. And, oh, you mean the first record and Bug? Yeah, first record just didn't. Mm -hmm. You know. But one thing was certain, these guys were definitely cutting edge. You know, in 84, I mean, I think of The Police, and I think of I think of Duran, I think of bands like that really dominated MTV. And as a kid, way back then, that was really my primary source of music was MTV and the radio. Um, and so if they weren't in those two places, then I didn't really know much about them. I would say it wasn't until I got to high school and college where I really started to get into like underground bands that weren't heavy on the scene because i had more of an opportunity to to do that but as a kid if it wasn't on mtv 
And I'm not saying I wouldn't like it, but it just, it, I, I just wasn't exposed to it. So I went back when I was doing some research for this review and I just didn't really dig a lot of their older stuff, but the music that would become mainstream in the nineties and get that tag grunge again, I really think started by bands like dinosaur and everything in my world at the time, like I said, was the police Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, but there were bands like Dinosaur that were taking punk and putting more of a melody to it. So it's a little bit different from your minor threat. Yeah, um, I wonder how much his vocals, his voice was an issue to to get on MTV or to become mainstream. It could be. I, I also wonder if it was like Dinosaur for a couple of years, it was like People in punk maybe thought that they were a little bit too soft because Jay mm. had somewhat of a melodic voice and they had a classic rock feeling to their music, uh, yeah. but they weren't as they weren't Sex Pistols punk. They weren't Ramones punk, at least they weren't at the, the pace or the speed of that. But I thought this was really unique and really put Dinosaur into a real kind of interesting, unique spot. And I don't think this was done by accident. Bands wanted to weld classic rock together with late 70s early 80s punk and skater music and the formula equaled you know that edgy sound that dinosaur jr would put out night after night so i was reading and i came across something that i thought i, I really agreed with jay's voice sounds a lot like neil young and nick cave mm -hmm. uh, and i've had a i've had a chance of seeing both bands live in concert of course i've heard them several wow. times but, but Jay was destined to direct the sound of his band towards more of an alternative movement. And this movement was quietly pl taking place in small towns throughout the U.S. at this time and not just in the big city. And so for their first big tour in the mid to late 80s, the band, we were talking about him earlier, Jack, the band opened for Sonic Youth. And yeah. like I said earlier, I think Sonic Youth and Jane's Addiction were really could be considered among some of the earliest alternative bands that really at least achieved national success. I don't know. What are your, th what are your thoughts about that? Oh, of course, especially Sonic Youth, the way they were expressing them, themselves through music and the way they were experimenting with, with music was totally different than the way Pink Floyd were doing it. It's a totally different approach. In, Going back to the documentary about Dinosaur Jr., I remember Jay Musk saying that their, the plan was to assault people with a really loud sound. I love it. Assault people. Yeah, so it's like right. hurting people. <laughs> so it's a different approach. I don't know. It's like it's more than punk. Yeah. Something extreme. When I first heard Dinosaur Jr., my, my brain was like, oh, these guys sound a lot like Nirvana. There's, they've been influenced by Nirvana, but it was exactly the opposite. It was during that time in the late 80s that bands like Nirvana took notice of Jay and Dinosaur. You and I, during this review, right. were talking about that documentary. The name of the documentary is Freak Scene, the story of Dinosaur Jr. And we talked about bassist Lou Barlow and Jay fighting. You can see all that on this documentary. I think you can find it for at no cost. I found it on YouTube. Um, and again, as Jay... Again, as, as Jack and I had talked, by 87, after years of touring, Lou and Jay just grew really tired of each other. And things came to a head that one night when Lou, uh, what they said in the documentary, Lou was just playing one note during the whole song. 
and he wasn't changing. Yeah. He wasn't making yeah. any changes. And that really pissed Jay off and they had words and then they, <laughs> they started fighting. So <laughs> huh. as, as we mentioned too, Lider, what, was, what was that? Go ahead. Hilarious. I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a little sad, but I mean, I'm not surprised. Like this stuff happens in bands all the time. I, I you know, this actually brings up a good topic. I had some fairly serious disagreements in my band. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. Did you guys ever come to, to punches at all? Almost. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a passionate thing, right? These are your brothers. Or in some cases, if it's male, female, these are your brothers and sisters. Or of course, if your mamas and the papas are Fleetwood Mac, it's brothers and lovers. <laughs> but for me, the band that I was in, we were brothers and we fought a lot based on direction and it's just, it's bound to happen, right? So it doesn't really surprise me anymore when I hear stories like this. Like we were saying, Lou would later leave the band sometime around 87, 88. And, but they, they eventually released two more albums before that, that would happen after this fight that took place. And yeah. around 1988, this was really cool. And I saw this in the documentary too, which I'm sure you did, Jack. Before their album Bleach was released, Kurt Cobain actually asked Jay if he wanted to join Nirvana. That's true. Yeah. This is wild. Yeah. And at the time, Dinosaur <laughs> Jr. was a bigger band than Nirvana. So think about, Jack, like what would have come if Jay had decided to ditch his true love, his band Dinosaur, and go to go and join Nirvana? Like who at the time... Nirvana wasn't on anybody's radar. As we saw Jay turn Cobain down. And in fact, I think I saw he turned him down twice. And then he went on to build Dinosaur Jr. back up and keep that train rolling. But Jack, yeah. who knows? Who knows how music would have been shaped? Yeah, history. If, yeah. If Jay okay. had actually left Dinosaur, disbanded and, and joined Nirvana. Yeah, but it, it was tough, I think, this decision to take, because we are talking about two very two big leaders, like Jay and Huge. Kurt. Huge. Yeah. So I don't think, how can you merge those two leaders? How can you find like a balance between them? You're absolutely it's right. Better. I'm picturing it. And I think it's interesting because both, we could dive down a rabbit hole on this one, but I think Jay and Kurt were both really they're introverts. Like, and if you like almost every interview I've seen of both of them, especially Jay, yeah, you know, he's, he's looking down or even after 40 plus years of having his band, he's still, he still seems shy in front of the camera. And I think Kurt did a better job. Much. He doesn't say much. He's very relaxed and calm and he'll answer your question very truthfully. And honestly, he talks <laughs> a lot like this. And I think it's very easy to fall asleep if you're listening to Jay Mascus talk. <laughs> <laughs> the pace is okay, but sometimes you start mumbling. So it's hard to understand. But then the guy gets on stage, he picks up guitar and he starts banging his head and he's ripping his guitar. And it's a, such a perfect example of a guy who just communicated through his music and he just really couldn't communicate through his his speaking voice. But when he got yeah. up on stage and sung or played guitar, forget it changed. It, it, it changed. Yeah. yeah. 
We talked about Mike Johnson and you're right. Yeah, I did have this written down. He came from Queens of the Stone Age uh, and Mike fit in really well for the recording of this album. He got along with Jay and drummer Murph and the band found some chemistry in the studio, which resulted in this album. Jack, you mentioned earlier, Get Me, which I wanted to touch upon as well. It's a great song. I think it follows suit with the album's formula. By the time the album was released, by this point, 93, the band was really enjoying national recognition. And as I'm sure you saw in the documentary, actor Matt Dillon signed up to direct their music video for MTV Forget Me. Yeah. I didn't know this. I had seen it. On- <laughs> no, me neither. Me neither. I saw it in the documentary too. And so we've said it a billion times, but for those of you who weren't around during this time, if, if you wanted national recognition as a band in the 80s and 90s, YouTube didn't exist. Like the internet. It didn't exist. The internet came around in the nineties. You were looking at it, using it to look things up. You weren't, you weren't really watching videos. At least I wasn't. UFO technology. It was UFO technology. (laughs) That's a perfect example. Yeah. So if you wanted national recognition as a band in the eighties and nineties, you had to create a music video. There was just no ifs, ands, or buts. And then once you created it, you had to figure out a way to get it on MTV. So in the early nineties for bands like videos for bands like dinosaur junior. I don't know if you remember this, Jack, they aired mostly on Sunday nights during a show hosted by Matt Pinfield called 120 minutes. That was really the alternative. Yeah. That was the alternative show. It was Sunday night, Saturday night was headbangers ball. And that's where you could see metal. That's where you could see videos by all your favorite metal bands. And even ones that you've never heard of before. I have so many great memories of sitting up Saturday nights. And I swear, I, I swear if that had been flip-flopped and 120 minutes had been airing Saturday nights mm. when I was allowed to stay up, <laughs> I would have probably been more into alternative music than heavy metal. But because I would sneak downstairs and flip on Headbangers Ball, I got into the Anthraxes. I got into Metal Church, Judas Priest, wow. Iron Maiden. And the stuff on 120 minutes it was there. It was really considered underground. Um, but still, this was the way that bands like Dinosaur Jr. really enjoyed regular airplay. And of course, their notoriety at the time earned them an invitation. Really, I think their first big tour, the 1993 Lollapalooza Festival, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not sure how much Lollapalooza was known outside of the States. But in the early 90s and even through the mid 90s, the biggest bands in alternative and grunge in the world were on this festival. And I had the luxury of going to 92, 93, and 94. I didn't catch the first one in 91, but it obviously caught my radar. Wow. And then by 95, some of the bands that were on there, they were starting to bring, it just, the festival blew up too much. And in my personal opinion, it just, it became too big and it became more of a show where it was like, hey, doesn't matter what band you put on Lollapalooza, you got to come see it. It's all about Lollapalooza. Whereas uh, right. 91 through 94, it was really the lineups. 91, there was Jesus, uh, there was Jane's Addiction, Nine Inch Nails. Those are the first two that are coming to my brain. And those bands were uh, mid-career maybe by that point. 92 had Red Hot Chili Peppers, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam. That was the first time I ever saw Pearl Jam. And I actually met Eddie Vedder at that show. Yeah, they weren't even that big yet. Eddie was just walking around through the crowd and no one was saying anything to him. And 93 came um, 
Rage Against the Machine, Tool, Fishbone, Alice in Chains, Primus, and of course, Dinosaur Jr. And then 94, I, I think it was Beastie Boys and Beastie Boys and Smashing Pumpkins were the big two featured bands. And they were others as well. But back to the album, Where You Been, just when you think, eh, maybe you might be getting a little tired of the album, just when you're starting to wonder, is Jay's voice getting to me a little bit? Going back to the song, Get Me, Get Me brings you right back. It it sure brought me right back. I think the track has everything, a, a dynamic chorus, a harmonious guitar riff, yeah. just like the other songs we talked about. And in my opinion, the best solo on the album by Jay Maskus. I think, uh, Greg, the first solo is Mike playing solos. The the rest yeah, of the solo, the other really? two is Jay okay. playing. Okay. And then there is the Tiffany, the girl that we were talking, that she's singing along with, with Jay. Tiffany the, Andrews, yeah. On the chorus, on the hook. Yeah, it's really the way it's being produced. It's like a journey. And you never get tired of the song. I can I remember listening to the same song on repeat, like, one hundred times a day. <laughs> yeah, I know. At least, yeah, I, I could really see them closing a show with this song. I feel like this is like your—I call it the lighter song. Nowadays, nobody does that. It's all cell phones. But you had to have a lighter. You turn the lighter on, yeah. flick the lighter on, and pop it up in the air. This is how fans showed their appreciation at, at concerts before the days of smartphones. Now, if you're not careful, mm -hmm. you could mistake the next track, drawings forget me <laughs> yeah i don't know about yeah. you jack but i feel like the tracks are eerily similar very similar it's the same mood or uh it's the same mood it even sounds like they might be the same chords now i didn't go as far as look that up but it, it almost seems like a continuation drawings seems like a continuation of get me um, yeah same feeling i got the same feeling when i was listening to get me at the end of the song i, I couldn't understand if the song was over or just <laughs> two different yeah, right. songs right. but there is a breakdown in uh, drawings that actually takes a different direction and you're it's absolutely very right brilliant. you're yeah, absolutely right breakdown with church bells and stuff you nailed it despite their similarities their differences can also be heard i think drawings is quite anthemic causing you to slow down and raise your hands in the air but yeah, but it's it's also get me drawings has that guitar solo that certainly makes you pay attention. Now, is that solo by Jay or is that also by by Mike? You're talking about drawings. Drawings, yeah. No, I think it's Jay on the drawings. Okay. Right. I think there is only a, a guitar, the right one, which is Kurt. 
Fedora or something is called the guy playing one of the guitars, but the right one. Kurt Fedora. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Rhythm, rhythm guitar. Yeah, through... through it, Go ahead. Yeah, but I think it's very chilled and relaxed, actually. I, I really like the song. It's like nothing... Uh, it, it, puts you in a, it puts you in a different mood when you get to this point of the record. And it's... Do you know that it's alright? I've been thinking, seeing that's not how it's gotta be. Ain't saying if it's worth the fight. I'm a space that you can count on me to save your place. And I know it's all. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's really nice. Could arguably be my favorite song too. I, it's hard for me to pick. Again, I said, I said, start chopping, but get me in drawings or uh, yeah, they're cool. A close second and third for me. Through all that loud distortion and fuzz, Jay really does it. He really has a beautiful way of playing his guitar. He can be violent, but at the same time. He can be really gentle. You mentioned it, yeah. really assaulting the crowd. But again, this goes back to the point we were trying to make. It's like an assault with a melodic tone to it. True. Right? Like really hard thrash punk rock. There's a, a sharp jagged edge to it. With alternative or with bands like Dinosaur Jr., there's that that feeling of bliss, that feeling of floating in the clouds all with at the same time that, you know, that assault that Jay's talking about. And I think really this is what makes this music, this genre unique. And I think it's really, it's, if you're looking at the, the family tree of music and how mm -hmm. certain genres were born out of others, this is really its own genre. And so if anyone else can come up with a different name besides alternative or grunge, I'd love to hear it because I'm not necessarily married to that term. And I know that a lot of these yeah guys. i was thinking about loud rock with no loud heavy rock? rock yeah shoegaze a little bit but that's a good one not sure yeah yeah, yeah it, 
punk is uh, the term that I thought of was like punk's torturous vocals. Sometimes <laughs> I, I was a big fan of heavy metal, but I could never get into the death metal. And I liked some yeah, of the yeah. melody that was in heavy metal. So you have bands like Metallica or Iron Maiden, and they would have really loud, heavy moments, but then they'd also have some softer moments. And I liked those transitions because it could show really their musicianship. So I feel the same way about, about Dinosaur Jr. Like we talked about Where You Been was Dinosaur Jr.'s biggest commercial success at the time. It reached number 50 in the United States and number 10 in the UK. Right. And after three albums, bassist Mike, Mike Johnson would leave, prompting Jay to bring Lou Barlow back. And then Murph, original drummer Murph, or one of the earlier drummers, he'd also leave the band in the late 90s, and Mascus hired another drummer. But the original lineup of Barlow, Murph, and Mascus would reunite in 2005 and then go on to release five more albums. So... You and I were talking about, and even though we're doing a review of Where You Been, I think maybe the next review we need to do for this band is sweep it into space because I really think this is solid. And like I was saying, they kept to their roots. So this is what's great. And I hate to pick on Smashing Pumpkins, but when I saw them last year, I just have this vision that if you, if I were to ever bump into uh, Billy Corgan and say to him, Billy, you're one of my biggest <laughs> influences. Could you please, is there any way you could play more from Gish? I feel like he'd really get pissed off. Now, I don't have any factual evidence behind this, but Billy strikes me as somebody who wants to just really distance himself from that older, earlier music. There's Robert Plant. There's famous rumors. It's not even rumors. It's fact mm -hmm. that like Robert Plant hates to talk about Led Zeppelin when you get him into an interview. And yeah, um, yeah, you know, he wants that. to talk about his current music. He wants to talk about the stuff he's doing today. And a lot of people just, all they want to do is talk to him about Led Zeppelin. And so I just, musicians have to grow. Artists have to mm. mature. But I just, I love the fact that after all these years, and I haven't gone through all of Dinosaur Jr.'s albums, but I just like the fact that their 2021 album, Sweep It Into Space, is, it's just along the same lines. And I feel like I could have turned it on in 1993 and I it, it would have sounded the same back then and it would sound like it would fit in during that moment too um, yeah like con consistency or they kept the, na the nature and the purity of their sound exactly really like yeah. yeah jack did you hear that they're i mentioned that they're on tour right now they're actually tonight they're in spain tonight and tomorrow i believe let me look at their yeah and i know that kevin shields from my blood the valentine was actually joined them on stage was he really like, oh wow uh, yeah playing the What's called the, the one from the cure, the cover, just like heaven, just like them, yeah, yeah, interpret as well together. And then there was Lou singing a song from My Bloody Valentine. Oh, nice, one of those underrated ones, yeah. yeah they, it's very they're in, they're in Spain tonight and tomorrow, and then they have a, a short break for Thanksgiving, but then they, they come back to the sense. states and they're playing in the east coast. And I actually, I've got tickets for January 25th. And did you hear what they're doing on this tour? No, completely. Oh, you, can, Jack. Uh, you can tell. Jack, you, you have a month and a half, buddy. I got a ticket for you. If you want to come, <laughs> get your passport. Oh, cheers, man. <laughs> they're playing. They're playing. I bought two tickets and I'm saving it for you. 
Um, <laughs> they're playing Where You Been in its entirety. Yeah, it's the 30 years anniversary. It's the 30th anniversary. Yep. Yeah. So uh, when I saw that, I was, and then I noticed that they're coming to the Strand Theater in Providence, Rhode Island, which is about 45 minutes south of where I live in, in late January. But they're going to be in, starting December 1st, they're going to be in uh, Brooklyn for, geez, one, two, three, four, five, six nights. And then they fly out west to Oregon and Seattle. And then they come back east to uh, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Maine, and Vermont. And then in February, they're off to Australia, finish their tour in in the UK. It looks like they're doing one gig in the UK. Yeah, because I was checking if they were passing by Sweden. But, yeah. Uh, no. No, that's too bad. <laughs> no. That's really too they, bad. They ditched Sweden. Ditched Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. Those too cold. bastards. <laughs> Those bastards. But I wonder actually if Lou Ballo is doing some work with Sabadell. Is he really? Be... Yeah. Oh, you wonder so. if he is? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because they start posting some stuff or pictures. And so maybe something is going on there. That would be nice if they can come up with a new record. I'm a big fan of Sabadell too. You know what? I got to go back and listen to them. I, I was listening to earlier today, I, I was working out and I was listening to our interview that we did, you and I, back in February. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned Sabado. And I, I've got it. This is like the 12th time I've heard them. And obviously, I saw the documentary. The documentary really was educational and it made yeah, it was me really good. kind of fall back in love with the band again. And then I dove into this review. I know there's a lot of fans out there of this band, Dinosaur Jr., and a lot of fans of this album out there. But here at home, I feel like I can still call Dinosaur Jr. my own. You know, when I bought the two tickets to the show, Jack, I haven't, I've asked probably about 15 people and I haven't had anybody say yes yet. So, um, <laughs> so I'm optimistic that with your help, once this, once we release this episode, we're going to get some more people, not only here in the U.S., but in all parts yeah. of the world, we're going to get even more people in the Dinosaur Jr. But if we don't, that's okay, because they're always going to be considered our band, right? Uh, we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. <laughs> yeah. If we do, great. If not, that's okay. I share my love for this band <laughs> with you, Jack. And I, I wanted to have you on the podcast, not only because of your passion for Dinosaur Jr., but I just, I think we can agree this band heavily influenced your music jack and when we first met totally. and you told me jay i thought exactly like that yeah exactly yeah. who i thought and so when you said that i was even wondering whether you had even heard of jay mascus before but for those of you who are listening to this now if you haven't heard jack adamant's music you gotta listen so start by going to episode 49 of the albumreview.net podcast and you can hear jack and i talk about his music journey and all his success you can catch him on all the social media channels as well but you also got to go listen to his most recent album, Obscure Places and Cupboards. So if you're like Jack and I, and 90s music feels just like a blanket, keeping your soul warm <laughs> and keeping your memories of the freedom you felt in the 90s alive, you got to go pick up this album, Where You Been? Um, I can't say enough for how this music makes Jack and I feel, and it continues to make us feel today. Um, for me, it was a simpler time, a less complicated time where all I thought about every day was, God, when can I pick up my guitar and play? Jack, I just wanted to thank you again for joining me 
And I really couldn't have done this without you. And again, I have to give you credit because you were the one that came up with this idea. And for me, this is my favorite Dinosaur Jr. album, but I don't know. I'm going to go back and listen more to Sweep It Into Space this weekend as we're, Same, yeah. it's Friday, it's Friday afternoon here and it's Friday night. Jack is gracious <laughs> enough to take part of his Friday evening out there in Stockholm and, and talk with me. And so I, oh, cool. I, I yeah, can't thank you. Enough. I, I've loved the fact that even though it's been several months since we've either spoken like via zoom or it, it feels like I've been talking to you like every week as we communicate through social channels and I see all your videos and everything. And I, I can't tell you enough how happy I am, how, how happy I am for all your success. And you're really doing it. Like you're really living your dream. I used to Thanks, work man. in a corp. You're welcome. I used to work in a corporate office and I would walk by a friend of mine every day and I go, Hey buddy, how's your day going? And he'd go, living the dream, Greg, living the dream. But <laughs> you really are living the dream. Like you're a, a perfect example of that. So it's a struggle. It's a struggle. You, but you have to make it work. I think. Just keep going, grinding is the way to go. Yeah. Are you going to go ahead? But listening to your podcast, I should say, is very inspiring and actually makes me feel that I'm talking to you every week. Yeah, definitely. I so feel I really same. encourage everyone to, to listen to your podcast and the reviews that you're doing because it's really fantastic. It makes you want to listen to the record that you're reviewing. We got to do this again. We got to do another album. We should come up with something else. Um, yeah, definitely. And I'm sure a lot of our tastes align pretty nicely, but I have to say again, before we close, like how much I enjoy your music. And I'm reminded of something we talked about during our interview back in, in our episode we did where I just, even though I had never, when I first turned on your album, I had never heard it before, but I felt like I, I had. And, cool. uh, and I just, I just can't tell you enough how much I enjoyed it and still do. And I was cooking in the kitchen the other night and I had it going there. And when I drive, unfortunately, the weather's a little bit too cold now to have the top down on my Jeep, but over the summer, <laughs> it was prime. I was blaring your music and riding around town. And I'm still that guy, by the way, for anybody else who doesn't know me, That's I'm cool. still that, I'm still that dude who drives by the gas station with his music blaring. And I was like, everyone thinks I'm either the coolest guy in town or the biggest loser in town. <laughs> it's probably the latter. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Keep that so, way. <laughs> hey, that's what makes me tick, right? That's what makes both of us. That's what makes both of us are. That's what makes both of us move. All right, man. Anything else? Like before we close, is there anything else about this album that um, I didn't mention or that you wanted to obviously shed some light on? We didn't go to every single track. Actually, the know the same and going home, the most emotional songs of the record. And probably my favorite is the last one, because when I was listening to Going Home, uh, which is very now loved, I thought that the record was actually over. It was the, the last one. You expect from those heavy bands um, to end the record in a mellow way, in a nice way, chilled. Right. And the fact that there was like another track after Going Home, and it was a I Ain't Saying. I Ain't Saying. Which sound, yep. yeah, it's really very rock. And with heavy guitars, and um, it really surprised me. And actually, this last song is one of my favorite records. I think, together with the, what else is new, 
Well, I really enjoy this one. And also there's a, the bass line, Mike Johnson in this one really played bass in a fantastic way. It's really great. And the, the vocals and melody and the lyrics as well. This makes the one of my favorite songs song of the record, I Ain't Sing. A perfect closing, a, a perfect yeah, ending yeah. to the record. And I think that's correct. That's something that a lot of bands at least used to um, deliberately structure it that way. It's actually, this brings yeah. up a good topic. It seems like nowadays musicians, a lot of people that I've had on the podcast, they're releasing, they're releasing their music via song. So they'll put out a song singles. and they'll put out singles. Yeah. So the album is not as much a thing. The album will eventually come yeah. out, but, and a lot of people I'm talking to are saying that's really where the, what the research is showing. I don't agree or disagree, quite honestly, because I'm not pounding the pavement as hard as you are and gigging mm. as much anymore as you are. But I just like the fact that you put out a, a whole album and you can still get the singles off of your album as well. But I have to admit, there's, still... a, there's a piece of me that still really enjoys listening to the album. What were you going to say? Sorry. I'm, I'm still in that kind of mentality of releasing like a full album to multiple singles or songs, spare songs. I don't know, floating everywhere, you, you lose track of the, those songs. I like to group them in a record, in a full record. I still like that way. Yeah, well, keep it up because you're doing a great job. And please let me know when you've got some new music that's coming out. I want to hear it. Yeah, definitely. So, You'll be the first one knowing it. Awesome. All right, Jack, I'll let you get back to uh, your Friday evening, what's left of it. Cheers. Uh, and uh, yeah, cheers. Thank you so much. Yeah, take care, man, and stay in touch. Okay. I'll have to spread the word about this, uh, your podcasts and uh, this specific one. People need to know about Dianzer Jr. <laughs> That's for sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going over to a friend's house later, and the last time I was over there a couple months ago, I played your record. and Thanks, man. Appreciate and it, it was, it was, well, I knew I was in a group of guys that would like mm -hmm. it. All these guys are a little bit older than me. And so they were you know, teenagers, later teenagers, and even in college during the early to mid nineties where I was in high school. And, and I just, I knew that this would fall in line more. Your music would fall in line more with the, the type of genre that they liked. But yeah, I, I had a, taste. you had a lot of good, yeah. You had a lot more fans here in the Boston area. So I'm going to continue to. To, to get that word out there. Yeah, <laughs> so but actually, my my friends over here, they always say to me, you need to move to the States. This is not really the right place for this kind of music. Either you change the music you're playing or you, you just move, you need to move away. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to comment on that. You would know way better than I would. It's definitely a, an age thing, um, but I am hopeful. I've got a, a friend of mine who was in my band, geez, 30 years ago. He left Massachusetts and he's moved all around the world. And he came back to visit over the summer and he brought his mm -hmm. two, he brought his two sons with him and his, one of his sons played the drums. And uh, we came down here into my little studio where I've got a, a drum set right over here. And I've got two bass, two bass guitars, a couple of guitars. Oh, okay. And he looked at me and he said, do you know, do you know Metallica? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, an 11 year old kid is asking me, and he sat back on the drums and my friend and I, this is 30 years after our band stopped playing and his son, and we played Enter Sandman. And wow. I thought that was like 
top Magical. 10 music experiences of my life. I'm like, dude, we're playing with your son right now. And he's killing every beat. Like he's got it yeah. all. He's right there in the pocket. That's beautiful though. It's, uh... Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, so my point to that whole rambling story is that there are some kids out there that do, they do like bands like Metallica. They do like bands like Nirvana and, and Dinosaur Jr., but they're few and far between. So we need to continue to spread the word for sure. All right, Jack. Thanks again, buddy. I'll let thanks you go. Me. Have a wonderful weekend and you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks for joining and I'll talk yeah. to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Take Stay care. Stay safe. Bye. You too. Bye. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Jack Adamant for joining me in this episode as we reviewed Dinosaur Jr.'s fifth studio album, 1993's Where You Been. You can check out Jack's music and his most recent album, Obscure Places and Cupboards, on any platform where you can find music. Isn't that just weird to say? I just, I have trouble saying that on any platform. It's like the word drop. It used to be... You had to go to a record store, but now it's like, poof, you can just pull any music out of the air. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can uh, you can check more of Jack's music out at jackadamant.com. That's J-A-C-K-A-D-A-M-A-N-T.com. If you're interested in any of the albums or books I've discussed in this episode or previous episodes, go to albumreview.net and pick up a copy of your own. Listen to all my podcast album reviews at albumreview.net by clicking on the podcast tab. They can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. Please follow the show on your preferred platform so you can get regular updates on new episodes. And also, if you guys would be so kind as to pop a quick review or rate the podcast, that helps move the needle and get the word out there. I do want to hear from you too. Please email me your feedback, album review requests, and any questions you may have to gpotters at albumreview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at albumreview.net. If you'd like to get regular updates on reviews, interviews, product, and music news, go to the homepage and join the mailing list. Visit our YouTube page and stay tuned for updates on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find me at Album Review Net. All right, no more. We're done. Go home. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Take a trip down by the highway 
Take a trip down by the highway. Take a trip down by the highway. Take a trip down by the highway. Take a trip.